Well, thank you. Thank you so much for... <laughs> To Harold Hay, uh, it's uh, Corey Vaughn with Adam Samaha, and we're here to talk to you uh, in a very nerdy way about a '90s animated children's cartoon. Uh, just to remember that there's a little football head in all of us. Thank you for tuning in. Um, today we're talking about um, Olga comes home and Sally's comet. Comet. I'm having so much comet. trouble saying. I've, I've yeah. been practicing the word comet for days now. Well, when was the last time you said the word comet? You say comment or comment? comment. Never. I never, never say the yeah. word. Yeah. That's why. Sally's comment. Rusty. There we go. Uh, yeah, you can find the show on uh, Hulu Plus. Uh, you can find it at Walmart. A, a, a dear fan uh, let us know that it's at Walmart for $20. The whole show. It's pretty good, actually. Um, and if he wants to email us and explain the uh, headline to his email, I'd really appreciate it. Yeah, the headline was, you know what? Ke- Talk for a second, Adam. I'm going to look at the headline to this. Uh, uh, while Corey's operating his telephone, we um, <laughs> my my uh, touch my touch dial. Yeah, your touch dial device. Uh, we wa- I wanted to thank and we wanted to thank actually Cor- Courtney Halverson for being on the show last time. It was very very wonderful. It was nice to have a um, a female's voice in there to give us a little insight into the world from a perspective that Corey and I do not live and do not well we understand, but we don't understand understand. Right. Right. And you know what? It, it went really well, and we enjoyed it. And so we're hoping to either bring on Courtney or other female voices, maybe other guy voices. Who knows? We're, we don't need them. We're, we're being crazy. Who knows? Um, the so somebody emailed us with this with the subject line "potato salad and the lack of nitrogen." So if you're listening now, please email us again and explain yourself. We I, I appreciate we the email e- itself. Yeah, we, but thank you for the email. I guess we, and we will respond. Emailed, we will email, respond. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is us responding. Yeah. This is your time. I would love real, to, real time. I, I would love to use your name, even your first name. There is none. It's uh, cryptic. A little very cryptic. cryptic. It's a mystery. Help us solve the mystery. I would love it if other people emailed us to say what it meant. So here it is again. And if you can beat that subject, then you're going to win a prize. If we ever make anything, like a sticker or Ooh, anything, why haven't we made we'll stickers yet? Well, now we have to. Now we have to. Potato salad and the lack of nitrogen. Uh, thanks for the email. Um, he was the one actually who told us that it's at Walmart for $20. So yeah. Thank you, potato salad. Thank you. And lack of nitrogen. Yeah, and the lack of nitrogen. Um, so yeah, thanks to Emily Okada for our designs. Um, uh, thanks for... Thanks to my double, my brother, for uh, many, many episodes of uh, using their stuff, and we're slowly phasing out and becoming real men and buying our own things mm-hmm. instead of borrowing. Borrowing's okay, guys. Don't. Yeah, you can still be a man and borrow. Yeah. Okay, so Olga comes home um, is a great introduction to Helga's sister Olga, um, you... who is a super cartoon babe. I'm just putting it out there. Yeah, we were watching it, and Adam goes, "She's kind of hot." For a cartoon. She's a total babe. Well, you didn't say for a cartoon. You said she's kind of In my, hot. my head, I said that part. Okay. And I don't use the word hot. I said babe. She's like 90s babe. She really because is. Because she has the like like um, plaid it's, skirt. It's like when you're watching Seinfeld and uh, Seinfeld's girlfriends he has. You're like, whoa, she's a good looking lady. But like in a very 90s, specific 90s way. Right, right. Yeah. And by you, we only mean people who are attracted to women. We understand that not everyone is... that. Yeah, but we're using a, the royal you. Uh, yeah, we meant us <laughs> as a as a visual thing. You can, we can all kind of get behind it in some way. 
this is going really well. Okay, so <laughs> Olga comes home. Um, it starts out in Helga's uh, classroom, and uh, the teacher is bragging about Helga's sister Olga and how she's coming to visit, and Helga is like so pissed off. Um, and the teacher's like, maybe if maybe if Helga asks really nicely, she'll come and visit. And Helga does her fake like, oh yes, whatever you'd like, and then like sh- shuts it down right away. Um, they move. Uh, the episode moves on to the house uh, where. Um, Helga's parents are like shining trophies and dusting like first place ribbons. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, aren't you so excited that Olga's coming? And you know, Helga is not at all. And uh, Olga shows up and she's this, as Adam mentioned, a nineties college animated, animated babe Babe, uh, shows up and her voice, she has that um, Cary Grant kind of accent. Is that, is that called trans Atlantic accent? Oh, it's like from everywhere and nowhere at the same time. Yeah, like, like kind of British, but not but quite. But not at all. Like, yeah, like educated. It's like pseudo intellectual. It's, it's pseudo intellectual, educated East Coast dialect. <laughs> like that voice isn't coming from California. No, no, she. But you don't know where it's coming. She from. said the fr- she called. She said toodles. Yeah, yeah. She, she, she yeah. She's, she's trying, trying really she's trying. hard. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. Later on, she kind of tones it down a bit, but um, there's something to that. Yeah. Definitely, and she so she shows up and is you know being so so braggy and just pissing Helga off. And after several moments of Olga just kicking ass, you know, playing an amazing piano concerto and bragging about her boyfriends, Helga um, turns up. Basically, uh, Olga's um, grades come in the mail, and Helga decides, yeah, I'm going to change it. I'm going to ruin her life, and she just changes one of the grades to a B. Plus, um, B plus. Yeah, and there's this part where she's lying in her bed quoting Hamlet's soliloquy to be or not to be, except she's changing the words to fit her own narrative. And that's, like, interesting because that soliloquy is all about should I live or die, and if I do live, how am I going to live my life? And she kind of is positing the same question, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a moment. Um, so she changes the grade. Olga breaks down, like crying, weeping, gnashing of teeth. She's, like, mascara running down her eyes. Um, and ends up staying in bed for like a week and her parents are like worried about it and Bob's trying to win um, win, Olga, win Olga over with like tickets and tickets to like the theater and chocolates and a new dress and in he, a very weird way I realize I'll go into that no, later really, but it is a very strange it, it way and it Hel- suits him and in the same vein of strangeness Helga is like joyously leaning into Olga's sadness mm-hmm. and so like with every moment that Bob's offering a thing. Helga's like, I'll take it. I'm here, you know, which is a com- conversation of Helga's presence in the family. She's always trying, trying to, you know, be noticed. Um, so uh, Helga is pretty proud of herself, um, runs into Arnold, who of course is the voice of reason. Um, and he's like, Helga, don't you think maybe you should like, I don't know, fix this. And Helga's like, not really. No. Uh, and then she has a dream with Arnold um, who again is the voice of reason? You know what to do, uh, and so she ends up helping Olga out. You know, fixing the situation. Says, "Hey, you actually got straight A's. Um, sorry, I guess." And Olga has this voice of re- uh, not voice of reason moment of clarity where she, you know, references um, their sisterhood and kind of says, "You know, I, I'm not. I, I'm mad at you, but it's okay. I'm not going to tell mom and dad." And we're going to get through this and let's hang out. 
and then that's kind of the end of the episode or not yeah that's the end of yeah. the episode yeah, yeah yeah the end of that episode there's a couple things in this episode that i think are fairly interesting oh one of them was which we just touched on uh, a moment ago was the way in which helga's dad responds to um olga being like basically completely taken over by her depression of thinking that she got a b plus he responds in this way that it's like very basic traditional man in the sense that and it suits his character kind of where he's kind of like a basic dude and he responds with chocolates he responds with a fancy dress and then like these primo seats to some sort of uh, event like a, a musical a musical yeah it's a play with music a play with music okay yeah. i've never heard of that I'm not so cultured and um so and what was interesting to me is that that's kind of the generic way you would respond to anything it's the way you respond to your wife to your girlfriend at the time, apparently to your daughter, which I found to be sort of strange mm. because there's almost in the way that in the gifts that he's giving like a romantic thing to it, not in the sense that he finds her to be romantic, but in this way where he's not really thinking this through, right, he's right. kind of just responding in this yeah. the only way he really knows how to. It's like what you would half heartedly give to your wife when she like, I'm having a bad day. Yeah, like, yeah, I yeah. feel like our marriage is not what it used to be. And he's like, oh, yeah, here's flowers. You know, yeah. that sort of bullshit. And I don't think that he really is thinking it through. And maybe it's because he recognizes the stupidity of the whole situation. Right. But right. I think it just more shows how he is as a human being and how he responds to trying situations. Well, and he – we already have a this picture painted of him in the Spelling Bee episode where he – if you're not oh, – if you're not a winner, you're a loser. There's no other option. And so even if he didn't... It's okay. Adam, it's okay. <laughs> Don't be embarrassed. We all get phone calls. We do, but it'll happen again. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Adam's mom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, are, hey, are you, you dialed in? Yeah, I'm dialed in. Let's do dialed this in. thing. Right. <laughs> so... We a picture has already been painted of Bob as the like, like if you're not a winner, you're a loser. There's no other option, and so it makes sense that Olga would go into this deep depression by not being a hundred percent of a winner. And um, she even said, "There's a part where she says uh, that, that dress is for winners, and I am but a loser." Um, so yeah, Bob doesn't know how to um, like help Olga in this moment, but I think it's because of the way he's practiced raising them and that is like you got to succeed if you're not succeeding what's the point um and so it, it, i don't know it kind of makes sense to me like that this is the way that he would react in the situation and it's interesting seeing the opposite from miriam who is almost to where she needs to be with respecting olga's uh, moment there's an amazing <laughs> amazing line where miriam's like oh just let her like let her mope it's you know i just can't stand to see her like this Leave her alone, B. She's depressed. It's been a whole day. She can't just lay around the house moping like that. Sure she can. I do. Well, it's not healthy. I gotta find a way to snap her out of this. So what's being revealed here isn't just that Bob is looking for a winner and that Olga feels horribly depressed, but Miriam does too. <laughs> and that tone is so good. I do. It like it's <laughs> it it makes me it made me laugh out loud every time I see it. It's great. 
Um, and it's you're getting a, a, pic, a fuller picture of Helga's family. There's Bob, who who he's a winner. That's he's very Trump. He's kind of a Donald Trump. Yeah, character he is a little Trump like. Yeah. Um, and then you have he's Minus married. The racism. Right. He's he's married to Miriam, who's kind of the opposite. She and I look. Obviously, she's just dealing with some sort of alcoholism or depression or something. And I don't want combination. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't want to call that. She fits the mold of a loser. He fits the mold of a winner and they neither of them really are doing like a strong job at presenting those those sides i think miriam's almost there saying let her be but i think the the next step would then to be to sit on the bed with her and say hey what's wrong let's talk about this and she doesn't do that at all she just lets her cry and cry and cry in that bed so i don't know i mean they both are doing a pretty crappy job at parenting in this moment um and obviously helga um is leaning into that right like doing everything she can to thwart this situation. I think that that's what's interesting about this episode is that they're all sort of leaning into the parts, the major parts of the personality that already show. And it's like being sort of exacerbated by what's going on with Olga. So it's like they're being themselves anyways, but they're being themselves to an extreme because of the situation. And I think it's also, it's like the vulgar sense of being a winner is what her dad is being. And the vulgar sense of being depressed is what, um, the Miriam, wife yeah. Mir- Miriam is being where like he's really not a winner but he's like acting like a quote unquote winner and she's really not a loser but she is like leaning into her depression she's taking it as a time to sort of just like giving the it, it's okay for her to be herself essentially and it actually suits what's going on more or less mm-hmm. um, so yeah it's just a good portrayal of the family and I feel like there's a you can read a lot of people you know in your past into all of these characters. Sure. And like I used to know an ex-girlfriend of mine, her mom loved to drink wine. And at the end of the night when we'd be watching movies and stuff, she would mm-hmm. come by and she'd be like, good night, honey. And she'd have this like really hilarious slur. But it's the same thing of where it's like there's a comedic value to it, but then there's like a sort of a depressing side to it as right, well. Right, right, right. And... Um, Miriam has that through and through because she almost has a slur when she's sober, but you know it's just her being her and being depressed. So she's like a depressed slur, and then she has her drunk slur. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so she's kind of always slurring. Mm, yeah, and and Helga is is really the perfect younger sibling that reminds me of my sister and me. You know what? It, it makes me think of my sibling relationship a lot. How how good? How, what did she say? Um. Oh, mother, I wanted to say this soup is divine right after Olga breaks down. And my sister and I would do that all the time. Like, my sister had this fear. Uh, okay, sorry, Aaron. My sister's name is Aaron, and she was afraid of the ice cream man. Like, it's <laughs> just so funny. <laughs> and when I was seven, I understood how funny that was. And so if I heard the ice cream man coming around the corner, I would find my sister and go, huh does anyone else hear the ice cream man and just send her into like a, like a scared corner and which is, is so mean for a seven year old to do. And it, it, that same tone that Helga's putting out like, Oh dad, I'm available. I could go to the musical with you. That same, um, knowing, uh, passive aggression that's, that's going to cut the sibling even harder than 
than the parent even could, you know? Yeah, it's like you're recognizing a weakness a weakness, and you're exploiting it. Yeah. And it's weird because at the time it just seems like a bratty thing to do, but then there's an element of it where it's like, you know, like you're one-upping your sibling. Oh, it's yeah. like you're finding your footing as a place to distinguish yourself from the other person. It's really a monstrous moment. Like, Helga is manipulating the situation not only to make Hel- or Olga feel like crap, but also kind of move up move up the pile, right? She, she's trying to move up to be recognized by her parents. That's part of this, too. It's not just that she hates Olga. It's that she's not feeling seen enough, right? Yeah, and I think what you see with Olga is, like, the burden of high expectations. For and sure. And you can hear it even in the, the actress's voice who's doing the voiceover. <laughs> that it's like there's, it seems everything she says seems so labored. And then when she has her, like, breakdown because she got a B plus, as she's coming out of it, her vo- her tone of voice is different, and it doesn't have that sort of ecstatic nature to it. But it still has like a t- it. Then she just sounds tired, mm. and she sounds someone as she's coming out to uh, to Helga saying like, um, "I feel like I always essentially have to put on a show. I always have to do my best, right. and it's 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 a heavy burden to carry." And the tone of her voice is just one that of somebody who's extremely tired. Mm. And I think uh, to me that was just like really interesting because yeah. I think. You have her who is like leaning into the fact that she is a quote unquote winner, and then you have Helga who doesn't know who she is, mm. and she knows that she's a bully. Like when she's confronted by Arnold about her doing the wrong thing, right. and she has this very poetic way of saying like, "Oh, yeah, he's such a moral and ethical person." She's like, "But I'm not," yeah, and then like the so scene good. moves on, and it's like her like reading it's a with fatalist it. a little yeah. bit too. Definitely, and it's like, yeah, there's no changing her, and she might as well just go with it. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what everybody is doing in this episode, more or less. Mm-hmm. They're all leaning into the worst parts of their personality. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, the, um, so the, the, another thing I've been thinking about, which ties into what you're saying about Olga feeling the weight of, um, the weight of expectation, familial expectation, which we see also in the spelling bee, too, that Helga is feeling, Helga is feeling Olga's weight of expectation. Um, but something else to talk about that is their sibling bond and what is happening in the sibling relationship under under the weight of their of their parents basically um and i so i was looking up like kind of the psychology and philosophy behind um sibling relationships and i found a really great talk which we'll leave a link to um on our show notes uh by jeffrey kluger it's a ted talk um it's like 20 minutes first 10 minutes are really really good and and i think fit pretty well with this episode Um, And one of the things he talks about is um, how siblings do this uh, thing called – psychologists call it the de-identification process where they find the thing that they're good at and they really, like, put their – I guess put their identification into it, put put who they are into that. Yeah, like their time and energy essentially. Right, because they know that – They're investing. By investing in that thing, they're going to get the attention from their parents. And f- from an evolutionary standpoint, that's, you know, I'm going to do the thing I need to do to get the food I need and get the, the training I need to, to grow and mature. Um, but in a, in a modern sibling relationship, that might mean that if, if one kid is good at sports and the other kid follows behind and tries to do sports at well, that second kid is going to realize I can only get 50% of the best case scenario, if we're both amazing at sports, we're going to get an equal share of sports applause. But if one kid goes and says, I'm going to go be really good in the arts, then they're both going to get 100% of the applause in that genre of activity. And so you maybe even see that with 
in this relationship where Helga's trying to figure out who she is individually. But the other thing that um, Kluger talks about is how parents sometimes will twist that process of, of identity, of finding identity in an in a activity or whatever it might be. And I think in this family, they really ruin that process by, by telling someone like Helga, especially we'll jump back to the spelling bee episode by Bob saying, Helga, you're going to do what Olga did. Olga was really good at spelling. You're going to do this too. Um, and so instead of Helga creating her own person, she's being forced into um, this. Uh, basically, she's being forced into a sibling riv- rivalry that doesn't need to be there. It doesn't need to be there. Yeah, and there's like a hev- it's like there's like a heavily like almost Darwinian nature to it, and it's like right, sort right. of like very competitive and aggressive, which I think is really sad. And I think there so there's like two sides to this because I think when you basically like lay out a path and say like my children are going to go this direction so they're all going to be like very academic or they're going to be very very sports driven or whatever from an evolutionary perspective like you're saying between siblings it doesn't make sense for everybody to jump into the same boat because if you're splitting the, the basically the finite resources there's not enough to go to ra- go around right so i think in the in the talk he he refers to the fact that if both siblings are trying to be good at sports. You're only going to get 50% if there's two kids of the affection from your parents. But if you like create your own path and say, he's going to be the one that's good at baseball. I'm going to be the one that gets straight A's or I'm going to be the attractive one, or I'm going to be whatever it is that you're going to be. Then you've created this sort of this niche for yourself and you can exploit it fully and you can get a hundred percent of the attention from that parent. Yeah. And it's not, this is this this is a study on how siblings grow and mature, and it's not all healthy. It's not to no, like no, it's actually very it, negative in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, it's it's, but it is what happens in sibling relationships, and um, yeah, I mean it's it's interesting, and I and I I think what I appreciated the most though about this relationship between Helga and Olga is that moment of clarity that Olga finally does have at the end, where her it's like her fake British accent drops, and she is no longer crying. And she like kind of like pushes her hair out of her eyes and like leans, you know, leans on the bed. And she says something very vulnerable that was really hurtful, or something that was really what did she say? Something like that. Yeah, like essentially, like you did the wrong thing, but I'm not going to tell on you. Yeah, because our relationship is more important than that. Yeah. Um, and so it's both a vulnerable moment of saying, "I was hurt. I wish you didn't do that, but I'm gonna." She basically, you know, holds out an olive branch in peace, trying to say. My relationship with you is so important that I'm willing to not worry about this mistake that you made. To me, the, the, something that's like interesting about this situation is if you think about just within life, sort of being vulnerable is very hard and it's very scary. And the fact that she's being vulnerable with a character like Helga, like if you think in your own life, being vulnerable with a person that you find similar qualities to Helga would be – you wouldn't maybe wouldn't do it because you don't know how they're going to respond to like a wild card. That's probably mm-hmm. going to be negative. But to me, it shows – the vulnerability that's necessary in cooperating, but then how cooperation allows you to reach like a higher level within, especially like personal relationships, because it's easier to be sort of very competitive and very aggressive because that's typically most situations we find ourselves in is that if you, if you exploit that, you are going to come out on top most likely, or you have a chance Mm -hmm. to come out Mm -hmm. on top. 
And it's, it's a lot easier to do that because that's sort of how society and relationships, a lot of relationships and dynamics are structured. But then if you allow yourself to be vulnerable, you can sort of recognize the humanity like mm. Olga and Helga are doing. And it allows you to forge like a bond that is really fundamental to the sibling relationship. But it's something you can find in platonic relationships and romantic relationships or anything uh, if you just allow yourself or we allow right, ourselves right. to be vulnerable mm. and make cooperative behavior like a priority. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I call it a moment of clarity because she's not a great sister. She, and part of it is because of the weight of expectation put on by her parents, but she, for this whole, ep- especially the first like five minutes where she's just snobby and like, you know, narcissistic, that's not a great move. But what I like about it is that in a moment of clarity, she's able to see the benefit of like, I guess mentoring her sister or like helping her sister grow and, and and not only revealing her own doubts like oh I hate being watched by mom and dad all the time I feel I, I feel like I'm a, you know I think she's like show monkey or something or show pony or something and then she looks at Helga and says you're lucky you know you you get a different experience and so that's that's a great moment of separateness saying I am I am me and you are you and we we have different experiences along with our same experiences it's a it's a wise moment that is only for a moment because you know the next time that Olga shows up she's going to be just as snobby and that's the humor but moments like this show that she is older than Helga and she is going going through different processes of maturing that Helga's not Helga's not at yet yeah and building off something you just said I think is when she opens the door it's like she's Olga is like justifying her existence mm. she basically starts spouting off all of her accomplishments as a way Whoa. to justify who she, her being herself. And in a familial context, that's very strange. And the comparison, if, you, if you're right, which I think you are, to the show pony, like a show pony only holds value if it is is successful. Right, right. And if it does well. If, if it doesn't, then it is no longer a show pony. It's just a, a horse. Yeah, a horse that doesn't know how to, you know, carry people and doesn't yeah, know it's how useless to, like, at that point. And, and pull a plow or whatever, yeah. Yeah, and I think she maybe sees that Helga is relieved of that burden to some degree, right, and right. she is allowed to be herself fully, and... It doesn't really. No, that's right. That's yeah, right. and and I and I think it doesn't really pay off in their her Helga's relationship with her parents. But I think as like an autonomous human being, yes. she is able to exercise that autonomy. And, and what Olga is saying in this moment is, this is us together as siblings. This is the moment where I can be myself. She drops all of those airs that she walked into the door with um, and showed her parents. She was able to drop that and say, "We're sisters. This is a different kind of thing." Um, and it, and it ends not even it doesn't even end with her being snobby it ends with her inviting Helga to hang out the next day and Helga saying okay sure that would be fun and that's not it's not just sappy although i guess it's kind of sappy it's but it is a nice positive finish for like a depressing and manipulative story yeah and i think it's purely like a sibling relationship you have those moments where, like, oh, I fucking hate my brother or my sister. But then you have these really weird moments where, like, oh, yeah. Like, you we share blood. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. you're great. Like, yeah, we were raised together. Like, you really, like, it hits you in these weird moments almost in waves. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I think there's just something very pure about that ending. They both are tired of their parents for different reasons in the same way, if that makes sense. Yeah, from different perspectives, but yeah. totally. Yeah, but it, yeah. but it, they ma- it matches, so they're able to connect there. It's cool. It's a, it's, a, it's a really good episode. Great character development, but also a great conversation on sibling relationship and familial issues and expectation. 
Yeah, man. This is actually, I just realized this in this moment, that almost a dynamic my sister and I have, but I'm older and she's younger. And I realize it's the same. Like, I am Helga, not Helga, like, but I'm allowed you're, to be myself. You are kind and, of a bully, and you always wear that <laughs> pink bow. <laughs> yeah, my pigtails, the freaking pigtails. But, yeah, but, yeah, and she's the go-getter, and, yeah. It's just, yeah, it just, I'm, like, thinking out loud, which I shouldn't do. <laughs> no, no. Tell me, tell me how you feel about that. Go on. No, it's weird. It's cool, though. I don't know. It, it is what it is, but she, I, are we getting into this, really? No, we don't have to. <laughs> if you want to, I, I mean... <laughs> What I'm sure that digging, will come out one day. Deep. Yeah, yeah, one day it'll come out. Well, there are Episode plenty. 50. There are plenty of Helga and Olga episodes, so just, just, just we're just priming the pump, yeah. you know. <laughs> the nastiest twenty-three <laughs> skidoo, which is the next episode. Yep. Uh, Sally's comment. Um, we're, we're, look, this episode is okay. It's a it's a good story with not a ton of like, I mean, my opinion at least is not a tongue to dig. No, I don't think so. And I think it's sort of quintessentially Hey Arnold. Like, if you if you were to grab somebody off the, uh, the street corner, they might think of these sorts of episodes, I think, because huh. they're just really heartfelt, really just sort of uh, wholesome almost. Right. It's like a wholesome, goofy cartoon. Yeah. No, that's right. It's about a comet that uh, they want to see, and there are too many lights in the city. And so they're trying to figure out a way to... Um, see those lights and uh yeah there's uh, there, okay so, yeah so i'll do the rundown of this episode that you just blew it i i, <laughs> I mean that's the that's the episode, that, right? that actually is, that is the episode it, yeah from, from the start to finish so there let me fill in some gaps so there is <laughs> there there is i'll just do it based off the dynamics which i think is the most interesting part to me this episode and the previous one about olga and helga the sort of thing that you can tie between the two of them is that there's like a thing with expectations, I think is what I, how I read it. And I think this, this episode or little bit is like full of it where they're sort of waiting and waiting for their, uh, cereal box tops to come in right. to get their telescope. And there's a great scene where they're like waiting day after day. And the mailman is like, Nope, not today, not today. And then like one day it's, they get it and it's a great telescope, you know? You wouldn't actually get anything like this for free or just for eating cereal, right. something that works. But um, And then there's other scenes where they're sort of relying on this radio DJ to enable the whole city essentially to turn their lights off so they're able to view the sky because there's so much light pollution that no one is able to see anything, any, any of the stars in the sky to see the comet. Mm. And so they're banking on the fact that he says he has – the most listeners in town and they're just really hoping is he's right. And he turns out to be right. Everybody turns their lights off. And then there's the obvious one, which is the beauty of the comet that the grandpa is selling to Gerald and to Arnold in that it's basically like a twice in a life opportunity, I guess, because it happens every seven years and grandpa's right, right. second go at it. But then he makes a weird comment about this is it for him essentially. Yeah. Cause yeah. he'll be dead next time it happens. Uh, which is a weird, morbid sort of twist at the very end. It's an awkward scene, I think, not because it's about death, but because of the way it's like written. But it's 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 a scene that it. I mean, it grounds the show. Yeah, it definitely does ground it. But I think to me, why this episode is sort of weak mm. is the writing is not that good. Right, right. And there's like a lot of Gerald does a lot of like almost one-liners that are really not that great, and usually they're good. 
Um, he does his order thing, which um, is so you can see in past episodes, and I'm sure episodes to come. Yeah. Uh, when they're on the street corner trying to uh, yeah, spread yeah. the word about the comet. Right. Um, and then there's just the dialogue's kind of weak, I think. Mm. But it is still you, there's something you can glean from it. It's just a good episode, I think. Yeah, it's it's a it's a good story that takes you know it, it, the story unfolds. How are they going? You know they they um, try they try to. I can't remember the first thing to do. That's not a good sign. The second thing they do is they try to go to the... Um, oh, no. The first thing they do it's is... The cereal. Uh, the first thing they do is stand on the corner yeah. Yeah, yeah, to try to convince people to turn off their lights. Everyone's like, I don't want to. And then they try to go to this uh, like lookout point, but there's too much traffic. Yeah. And then they try to convince the, j- the DJ at the jazz station to make an announcement. And actually... Gerald like sneaks in. That's the uh, best scene. I yeah, think yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good. It's a it's a good bit of dialogue. And um, actually, I think the DJ is voiced by Craig Bartlett. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah, that's really he's funny. Brainy, and then the DJ. I think are that's his awesome. two main two main characters. Um, he's like such a dork. Oh, I dropped my donut. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So they. I mean, it's it. If there's any sappy ending, I think the first episode has a sappy ending, but it has so much weight and value to it. Yeah, it's worthwhile. Whereas this sappy ending is like. Oh, I guess Grandpa got to see the, you know, the comet for the second time in his life. And even the backstory that they give you on Grandpa is like really empty. It's canned for yeah, sure. Yeah, it's like it's not that interesting. You don't feel like you know anything more really about him besides you see what his dad looks like. Right. It flashes back to him at age like eight or nine, and he's like, "Father, there are too many lights." You yeah. know, and by too many, he means one wow. lamp on. Yeah. yeah, and so they like pour pour it out and look up at the sky, and it's like a sweet moment, but it's not. I think the so the last flashback you have with Grandpa is the snow episode where you see him working and his and his Grandpa kind of pushing back at him a little bit, and that has so much more weight to that episode. That episode was like great, and this one's good too, but it doesn't have the same. This flashback doesn't have the same weight, I don't think. No, and I think that um, if you want to really dig for it, I think there's like a couple of nods to like um, progress and technology getting in the way of natural beauty. Like when he's looking through the telescope, all he sees is the light pollution and a blimp and an airplane. Mm -hmm. And then when they go to lookout point, there's like people selling T-shirts and stuff along the road. Um, And it's just completely crowded with people. Um, so the whole thing is sort of centered around something to do with like the separation between technology and natural beauty and almost like this is really me reaching, but that the things that we've constructed around us are sort of, um, let's see, like transparent in a way. Like we're so used to seeing them that we don't even recognize that they're there really Mm -hmm. they're they're, there. And, but the things that really last are those like sort of once, every so often situations that the natural environment is more likely to bring you, I guess. Like if we like something and we've created it, we want it all the time. If like, um, but if, if if the natural world doesn't quite operate that way, it's like, you might only get something Mm -hmm. every Mm -hmm. so often and you have to cherish it while you can. No, that's really reaching, but I think there's something there. Yeah. I mean that it happens once every 70 years, you would think people would be like, "Oh, this is this is it! Like, we need to do everything we can to be able to see it." And they, I mean, there are people who are trying to go to Lookout Point to see it, but it's been overrun by, you know, vendors, a different and, kind of yeah, pollution, exactly. Um, and so the way in which we view these things, especially things that are rare or depleting or whatever, um, 
maybe it's a critique on how we look at them and how, like how much like what kind of value we put into it because um, I think the moment that's shared at the end is that a grandpa and grandson get to see um, a thing that the grandpa got to see with his dad 70 years prior that's a I mean, that's a sweet moment that is a super sweet moment and something just came to me is in the flashback there is the thing in which you mentioned where um grandpa and his younger years was like dad there's too much light i can't see mm. it and then he dumps the water on a single candle and now when they're doing it they have to jump through all these hoops mm. to be able to see the comet and to see the stars so that gerald at the end says like uh i wonder what we'll be doing seven years from now and someone says we'll be doing this but if that progression keeps going and we progressed even further then. Who knows? You might not be able to see the sky at all at that point. Yeah, we might yeah, have yeah, constructed yeah. domes around yeah. us where, you know, we there are no actual stars that can be visible. So I think there's something there with the natural world and technology and beauty and sort of uh, consumerism and those sorts mm. of things. But it's, like, pretty buried. Yeah, it's buried. I mean, it's the, the on-the-nose bit is about light, light pollution. Yeah. Um, and I, I, got a, I found a great article on National Geographic. I'm not going to even read it or quote it. It's just a nice article about um, kind of the – it's a little bit pessimistic <laughs> of, like, of, like, the damage that light pollution can do. It's a cool read. It's, it's like, two pages. It's pretty short. I'll we'll put it on the link as well. But, I mean, even just light pollution on its own, I, I grew up in – southern california and so i really don't see stars i see the north star sometimes the big dipper on a really clear night but like not not many right like no not at all and and it's it you it's so light pollution is so prevalent that i don't think we even really look up that much anymore because there's nothing really to see i know i was just camping like a week or so yeah. ago and, and i was you up accidentally north. look up and you go oh there's stars up here and then you just see your head is just tilted back looking up the yeah. rest of the trip because you're like damn i can see birds i can see everything you know what i mean yeah. Yeah. and uh yeah you can see like not every star but a crap load of stars and you can see i saw a shooting star actually which is like a crazy thing yeah. Yeah. to actually see yeah. with your own eyes yeah it was freaking tight i just got pulled i i got pulled back to being in baja california in at this like really secluded bay and lying out with all these other students we were on a we were on a trip and lying out with all these students looking up at the stars and we saw like 30 shooting stars yeah it was it was the most magical moment of my life and i'll never repeat it because i live in southern california <laughs> but it was great like that's yeah yeah oh uh, you know what dummies turn off your lights yeah yeah why not why not um something i think that we realized we forgot last time which was sort of a bummer for us was we uh, forgot to do the cry of the week last week. So we're going to do double cry of the week this week. We're going to do last week's. And also this week's. Yeah, exactly. Except no Courtney for last week's. Sorry, C-Dog. Yeah. What are you going to do? All right. Well, what's your cry of the week for, uh, is there anything else we want to talk about with Sally's Comet? That's referencing Haley's Comet from when we were that age. Do you remember that? No. It was the same thing. Oh, At Comet. At the same time. Yeah, it was a Comet okay. that came around every like 60 or 70 years. It was a, It was spelled... The same, except instead of an S, it was an H. Oh, interesting. So that's the, that's the real Thanks, life Craig. reference. Yeah, thank you, Craig. Okay, so Cry of the Week for last week. Reminder, that was Helga's Makeover and uh, the old building. And the old building. Yeah, I'll let you lead with this one. Oh, I mean, I do have one that I could pull from the old building, but I think the part that I – that got me the most was Helga seeing Phoebe laugh with the friends 
And then uh, Helga says, Et tu, Phoebe? Which is <laughs> funny, but also a very revealing statement where Helga Helga believes in the loyalty of Phoebe. And that moment kind of crushed that a little bit. It relies on um, it. Yeah. To, that, I mean, How I'm many tears? It, I'll give it. I'll give it a strong three. Three? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, I didn't. Yeah, three tears. Okay. Um, so mine from that episode, I think, is the moment when Helga's buying the magazines. Hmm. Because to me, there's like, and this is so weird to say because it's a cartoon, but there's like a feeling that I get from that, and and that sort of feeling where it's like she's panicked. Yep, she feels yep. sort of like attacked, but also isolated simultaneously. Like she's alone in yep. this sort of weird space that she doesn't know how to navigate. And to me, there's like a lot of times you can feel that in your own life. And it's completely different, obviously, because I've never had that experience. But where you sort of feel like, what am I going to do? But you feel like a fool, too. Yep. Yep. So four tears. For real? For real. Because, no, I'm thinking, the more I'm talking about it, it's like I'm really going into it in my head. Because that's a really weird feeling. Wow. You're around people, and yeah. she knows who's ringing her up, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and she still feels like she's being attacked to some degree. Yep, yep. And she feels alone and isolated. So she's getting put in something the corner there. for sure. Exactly, and I think mm. that's a mm. very uncomfortable, sad place to be. Uh, Especially as a kid. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, child abuse. Yep. So now we got to do this, this week's. week's. What you what do you what do you have for us? Oh, yeah. I mean, when Olga says that was really hurtful, it's like a. I've used the phrase already, but that moment of clarity when you see all it, it's like a double whammy because you see all of Olga's facade drip off, literally. Like because she's crying tears so of mascara, much so much yeah. mascara. It's it's, like it's a running ga- it's a running gag. Yeah, every time she cries in the show, that happens. It's yeah. great. Um, but you see her facade drip off and then you see also her be like really vulnerable. But so she's being vulnerable both in this, like, like in her vocal tone and like the fact that she doesn't look perfect and that she's gone through this like ordeal. So she's being vulnerable in her actions, but then she's vulnerable in what she says to Helga. And that's a, oh, it's a good moment. Really good moment of clarity that I loved. And I'm going to give it, oh yeah, I'm going to give it Three, another three. Another three? Another three. Yeah, consistent. Good choice. Yeah, thank you. So mine actually is when uh, Olga enters as a cutie patootie, and then when she gets sad, she looks like a melting head <laughs> full of mascara and tears, which is so depressing because my crush and Hey Arnold... <laughs> You just it's like when you see a celebrity photo like <laughs> on the Inquirer as you're buying milk at the grocery <laughs> store. It's like celebrities without makeup. And you're like, oh you're like, no. <laughs> yeah. you're what are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of one of those moments, but it's like hey Arnold specific moment. And I'm giving it a full cry, actually. Get out of here. Yeah, no, yeah. you're joking. No, I'm are not you, joking. Are this you doing totally this? Serious. No, you're no, no, yeah. no, no. You're doing this just to round me up. No, you know, like Wait, when you fall, this... have you ever fallen out of love? It's like that feeling. It's a horrible feeling. Wait, are, is you're doing this just to get a rise out of me. There, there are full cry moments in this show. You're giving <laughs> it a full cry? As much as Pigeon Man? As much as I gave Mickey Pigeon Man Kayla? three, I think. How? I didn't even really like the Mickey Kaling episode. <laughs> oh, I, I mean, look, 
I respect your opinion, but you're wrong. <laughs> I hope viewers view me as a well-rounded human being because that was very superficial. <laughs> <Just> yes. Like... <laughs> yes. Only yes. <laughs> I just bared my soul talking about the vulnerability. I, I was vulnerable about vulnerability, and you just... You just you referenced the National Enquirer. <laughs> In my response, I feel like if Helga's dad can be Primal Man sometimes, I'm allowed to be Primal Man sometimes. All right, well, buy me chocolates and we'll see what happens. <laughs> oh, yeah. I have to make All it right. up to you. Well, thank you for tuning in. We try to be vulnerable and interesting sometimes, but every once in a while we're superficial. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. Yep. Uh, please true. email us at hey.heyarnoldhey at gmail.com. Check out our website, heyarnoldhey.com. Um, or on iTunes, please rate and review. Yeah, that'd be amazing. Yeah. If you can ever forgive me. I mean, don't rate if you're angry at what he just said. Wait an episode. <laughs> or send an angry email. Yeah, send okay, me, we love I, it. We love angry emails. Okay, but I'm going to stop begging for emails at some point. Because the last like three episodes been like, please email us. Please email us. We're waiting. We, no, we have a <laughs> notification every time. It, no, I'm just kidding. We've had like six emails. That's it. It's been tight. All right. Well, uh, we hope you guys join us next time when we talk about the next episode. Mm -hmm. Which I don't remember what it is. I don't either. Until next time. 23 Skidoo. Thank you. Bye.